By the 1930s, the ideas of Mendel and Darwin had been brought together in what's known as the modern synthesis, a comprehensive theory of inheritance and evolution. The missing piece of the puzzle was an understanding of the physical mechanism through which all this worked. Enter the third of those crucial figures working in the middle of the last century, the chemist Friedrich Miescher. Working with white blood cells taken from the bandages of casualties of the Franco-Prussian War, he was the first to identify what we now know as DNA, and the first to speculate that these large molecules might have something to do with the way in which inheritance gets handed on through the generations. Hindsight would mark Dr. Misha as a rather clever man. I was taught genetics in the first year of university course in 1945, and there was no DNA. Um, I mean, DNA existed, it was known to exist. <laughs> but it was thought of as a kind of skeletal material which held the chromosomes together. And the genes were thought probably to be made of protein. Nobody really knew. Genes were just rather mysterious entities which in some totally unknown way caused differences between organisms. DNA is inside the nucleus and is wrapped up in a lot of proteins. What we have to do is crack open the cells and burst the nucleus and take the proteins off the DNA. Take a leaflet, put it in a tube, and freeze it. DNA is, if you like, one of the commonest and most standard chemical which can be isolated from any tissue, whether it's yeast, whether it's peas, whether it's humans, whether it's any other living form. Uh, what I'm going to do now is add the phenol. I will make an emulsion by shaking the phenol with the buffer. Because it's such an inert molecule, it's relatively easy to extract. It withstands all sorts of pressures, all sorts of boiling activities and so on, which would kill every protein in the tissue. You can pull it out, rather like you can pull a strand of cotton or a strand of nylon out. Um, and what you're really pulling out is, is, in fact, a spun thread of DNA. I think the most remarkable thing about DNA is that there's a lot of it about. I contain within myself millions of miles of DNA. Now, the thing which is remarkable is that all those millions of miles come from the six feet of DNA which were in the fertilized egg that made me. So, DNA is a remarkable and complicated chemical, but in the end, it's just a machinery for transmitting information. Nowadays, isolating DNA is a routine laboratory procedure. But understanding its structure and the way it provides the physical mechanism through which evolution occurs has been the single most important discovery in the lifetimes of most biologists working today. In the early 50s, James Watson and Francis Crick had described the three-dimensional structure of DNA. So instead of now thinking of genes as being sort of like beads on a string, as being abstractions, one could actually think of them as real pieces of chemistry. And at the end of the 50s, people were beginning to work out how the genetic code worked and were beginning to work out how genes got switched on and switched off. Now you put all these things together, how genes get switched on and switched off, how the code works, and then put 
that with classical genetics and then put that with, with Darwin's evolution, and it looks as if you've got a complete explanation for all, all of life. And actually, you more or less have, to be honest. It was an enormous liberation reading, I can still remember the excitement of reading Watson and Crick's paper. Um, and it has this famous last sentence that I can't exactly remember, but it says something like, it has not escaped our attention that this structure may have some significance for the nature of inheritance. I mean, it's, it's one of those throwaway lines at the end. And it did. I mean, you just saw that structure and you thought, well, of course, you know, that's what it is. And very exciting it was too. In many ways, the wheel has turned full circle. Researchers are now mapping and cataloguing the vast human genome. As painstaking and detailed a task as the great 19th century naturalist endeavors to catalogue the hundreds and thousands of new species they were discovering. And grafting genetics onto the theory of natural selection has been one of the great scientific adventures of the century. The insights of Darwin and Mendel have been reconciled. And along with our growing understanding of the mechanisms of inheritance, lie at the heart of modern biology. This, coupled with the realization that the Earth is much older than anyone in Darwin's time could imagine, all help explain the appearance of you and me, and the exquisite complexity of the organs upon which we all depend. Evolutionary time is immense, starting from a very, very simple proto-eye. You work step by step, inch by inch, up the slopes of the mountain. That means that the eye is gradually improving, gradually becoming more elaborate, until you reach the top. And when you reach the top, the eye is complicated enough to inspire you with incredulity at the thought that it could possibly have come about by chance. And of course, it hasn't come about by chance. It's come about by the non-random process of step-by-step -step cumulative natural selection.